Running Wild with Christine, Sex, Success, and Other Slippery Rabbit Holes. Episode 7, Every Truth is a Half-Truth. Hello, welcome to Running Wild with Christine. You know who I am and what I do by now, so let's just jump into today's wonderful starter point from our rabbit hole, for our rabbit hole. Um, Today I'm here with Madison James, a 38-year-old male companion from London with a keen interest in sexual development, tantra, and BDSM. You can check out his site at themadisonjames.com. So, hi, Madison. Hey, Christine. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? (laughs) I'm fantastic. Really good, really good. Thanks for inviting me on. Thanks for um, agreeing to chat with me. Um, so Madison, <laughs> Madison sent me a mental guidebook that he wrote for 24-7 dominant and submissive um, relationships, which is his interpretation of, um, the, of a handbook between many. Um, do you want to tell mm. us a little bit more about this guidebook of yours? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So um, I, I, I guess the best way to describe it is a combination of many of the principles of BDSM um, and the philosophies of certain um, hermetic teachings. Um, essentially, it's it's a mental guide. Um, BDSM, a lot of the time, focuses on, you know, the whips and chains and tying people up. And, the physical side. You know, of course, yeah, which is, is definitely... Um, part of it Um, it's definitely a keen interest of mine but I think there's so much more to it on the mental side Um, and my my own belief is that everything is mental um, especially our sexuality Mm -hmm. so so that's the approach um, of the guide really you said to me earlier that this is this wasn't sort of a conscious decision of yours to write it. It sort of um, happened that you ended up writing it. Um, can uh-huh. you tell us a little uh-huh. bit more about um, your business and how you got to that point and, and how that ties into this particular guidebook? Okay. Uh, well, in, in terms of me um, starting escorting, um, I guess the journey started in my early 20s. Um, and for me, it was more a journey of discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized quite early on that I had a very, very keen interest in pleasing my partners um, and nurturing a certain type of, I guess, sexual energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and like yourself, writing for me was a way of understanding my thought process, my desires, and through writing, I, I was able to gain a much deeper understanding um, yeah. of that. Um, something that always resonates with me is the idea of caring just as much about your partner's orgasm as you do your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a sense, moving past that, it's, it's not just focused on the quote-unquote climax, yeah. but it's it's the the building of arousal, the nurturing of arousal, and, and, and how we can use that sexual energy to enrich our lives on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was quite a long journey, and yeah. I realized that there was a need for it, um, I guess, you know, to put it in a crude term, uh, in the marketplace, you know? so, um, being the sort of guy that I am, um, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I had had an idea um, that sort of came to me through my experiences with a lot of the women that I was seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at the end of our time together, they would, I guess, they would thank me, which yeah. is um, so. It's quite, a weird one. <laughs> it's quite a strange experience at first, but it was. It, it, you know, it wasn't contrived or anything. It was it was genuine mm-hmm. uh, gratitude. That sort of opened my eyes to what they... Because for me, this is something that I believe... Um, was natural. Ever climb. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so being the adventurer that I am, I decided to do my research and 
set up my business and uh, it's been no looking back ever since. <laughs> Great. And so do you mostly focus, just going back to the to the guidebook, is, is most of your business based around people wanting to find out more about BDSM or is that just sort of happens to be one of the topics and therefore you put your thoughts down on paper to sort of make sense of it? It happens to be one of the topics, but to be honest, it permeates my interactions and my relationships in general anyway. Yeah. Um, there are certain, certain principles, you know, like we spoke about certain yeah. um, benefits of open communication, um, whether it be you know, in the form of some sort of contract or whatever the case may be. Um, so it, it definitely permeates um, yeah. a lot of a lot of my thinking in general in terms of understanding where you are, yeah. what you want, um, what you'd like to achieve, what I need to be aware of, um, how we can connect, are we compatible, yeah. um, and being able to create the right sort of experience for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so if if for example you um, um, suppose we, we agreed to meet up yep. for, for an evening yep. and you said to me, well, actually, you know what, um, something that is really lacking in my life is the experience of touch. Yeah. You know, I want to experience that in many different ways. And we would sit down and discuss how you might want to experience that, where you would like us to go, yeah. where you'd like to take you. And through the, the understanding and experience of planning BDSM sessions, yeah. I was take that concept and apply that in a more in general broad, yeah. approach. And this exactly. is something, so, yeah, it, it goes back to um, Madison and I were discussing this just before, um, the conversations that we have in the previous episode with Anita Cassidy about having those difficult conversations early on, which doesn't come uh -huh. naturally uh -huh. in sort of non-contractual or, or situations where you don't have sort of a legitimate reason to have yeah. the, the uh -huh. sort of let's set up how this is going to look or how this is going to work. Um, you just don't have them and then you, you are sort of stuck in this trying to please or trying to be attractive or, or pretending that you're someone that you're not um, to please someone in this, in this weird current courting process that we have um, versus actually we could apply that, you know, those what if conversations that I talked about with Anita are very similar to your conversations ahead of a session with a client and to the contract in BDSM. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's a fantastic point that you touched on because, I mean, you know, we've all been in relationships where we've gone through that honeymoon period, you know, and everything is fantastic. And then slowly but surely we start to realize certain character traits. Um, we, um, in our partner, we also become relaxed and, you know, let out a lot more of our personality that we sort of kept, we kept subdued. Yeah. Um, and by that time, you're so emotionally invested that you, you're kind of railroaded. Um, yeah. You don't have the freedom to really assess things from a um, logical perspective in terms of, well, actually, are we compatible? Yeah, no, um, you take things personally. You feel like you've uh -huh. been cheated or lied to or there's some sort of like, uh -huh. where is this coming from, blindsided um, exactly. feeling that just takes over and then you can't just be like, actually, is this something that you need or is this a part of you that you want to work on or is this... You know, there, there's no space for that conversation because it becomes something that's a personal attack on like, exactly. you didn't tell me or you hid uh -huh. this. Um, uh -huh. And I think that's sort of detriment, detrimental to every human interaction is that, uh, you know, the, it comes from ego, essentially. It has to. Uh -huh. Like, I, that's my personal <laughs> opinion. I agree. Yep. Because if, there, if it wasn't for ego, why would we be doing this? <laughs> you know, why would we be doing no, it this course, way? Yeah. Um, I agree. Yeah, that is that is the defense mechanism kicking in. You feel like you're, you know, under attack. But you know, discussed um, earlier on um, yeah. in our conversation in terms of the um, whole courting process. The more and more I think about it, it, it definitely seems kind of us backwards. Yeah. In, in terms of us going into a an agreement, essentially. Without having really discussed, to say it, yeah, you know the the requirements on either side, um, it's it's almost like a taboo. Yeah, um, to and, say well, actually, this is 
really important to me. And it could be anything from the physical to the mental um, stimulation that you may require, um, certain um, sexual satisfaction, certain kinks you may have, yeah. um, emotional support, mm -hmm. you know, issues you may have faced, what your boundaries are. Yeah, you know, your emotional baggages. You know, and I think exactly. And I think that's one of the points that you make in the guidebook is that maybe we don't have those conversations or, or you know, the way that you establish a contract can differ for each individual because it might be scary, um, the level of vulnerability you're, you're showing. Uh -huh. I think that's sort uh -huh. of one of the side notes that you make in that part about contract. And that was really interesting for me because... This is one of the major points of my book is um, trying to, to turn vulnerability into the quality that it is and not uh -huh. the major sort of risk, uh, the scary bit. It's like, no, actually, I'm choosing to be vulnerable with you because uh -huh. that's what it's supposed like. This is that's what the goal is, that you are the one person or the two people or however many people you want it to be. But you are people that I'm trusting with myself. So uh -huh. that, that's the richness of the exchange. So I, I'm always a little like thrown when, when we have as a society such a negative understanding of vulnerability, how it's, you know, this like ooh, very scary state of being. I, 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 I totally agree. Um, I think in that instance, it's, it's especially um, important to be clear on the type of person you're dealing with. Um, mm -hmm. Do they have the sort of mindset that is able to provide the sort of support that you may um, want or you may require? Or is it something that you're going to sort of figure out later on down the line when things blow up and they're yeah. not able to, you know, offer you what you need? Um, it makes much more sense to me to um, be able to have those open what-if conversations um, from the get-go. And the reality is, is that a lot of the time, the reason why we don't have those conversations is because we're afraid of scaring the other person off. Yeah. But the, the truth is, is that if that is the case, then that person needs to go. They're exactly. not the one. And having the, the inner strength to say, well, actually, you're not right for me and I'm not right for you. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. That's completely fine. But yeah. trying to do that six to 12 months down the line, you know, once you're already talking about moving in and, you know, yeah. what, what color are you going to paint the, the bedroom and all sorts, it is probably a little bit problematic at that stage. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's so funny how we don't actually, I find, I find myself having a lot of conversations about, you know, like the process of modern dating and the problems of like, you know, the, the sort of technological changes that are happening. But I'm like, actually, like the problems are very simple and they go back to the same way we've been dating forever. <laughs> it's not like uh -huh, a new problem. Uh -huh. It's just we don't, now it's faster. So you you notice it faster um yeah. but this idea that um you are a fixed being at all times that you know you, that you can describe yourself in one moment and that the person that you're describing yourself to is going to have to take that as as who you are uh -huh. like never mind uh -huh. the fact that you might be lying because you're trying or lying or like <laughs> misrepresenting yourself to be yeah. more attractive uh -huh. the fact uh -huh. is that both people are going to change and the interaction is going to change and everything is moving all the time. And, and that's something that we don't recognize. And that really resonated with me in your handbook when I read the part about the principle of vibration, if I'm right. That's the uh -huh. one, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's really important, you know, in, in terms of, I, I think we've all felt it um, consciously or subconsciously, the sort of energy that we're projecting um, and how others respond to that. You know, um, it's 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 quite clear to see that when you are in a positive um, space, um, that that energy can be felt. You know, mm -hmm. and being able to, I guess, control um, how you express yourself yeah. and how you um, the, the type of conversations that you have, the type of relationships that you have. You know, is that person? Um, is their energy resonating with you? Is, is that the kind of influence that you want to have in your life? Um, being aware of that connection or that chemistry um, or that lack of it, yeah. I think is really important. Um, another area that I think is really interesting is the um, area of, I guess, arousal and mm -hmm. sexual transmutation, mm -hmm. which is the, the idea of or practice of 
harnessing your sexual energy and channeling channeling that into different areas of your life, um, it, it just just to empower you. Yeah. So, as an example, um, something that I do with some of the ladies in my life is at any one time we could you know be on the phone or we could be together, for example, and I may have you touch yourself in a certain way. And I may bring you to a certain level of arousal um, through you touching yourself and me sort of guiding you, bringing you back and forth, and mm-hmm. bringing it to a certain point just before climax. And then I may actually deny you that yeah. climax. But that energy that you're feeling, that arousal is going to stay with you. Mm-hmm. And I may repeat that process with you two, three, four, five days in a row, mm-hmm. you know, and you could just imagine on a day-to-day basis with that level of intensity building inside you, how you would how you would be able to transmute that sexual arousal into other areas of your life. You know, yeah. you wouldn't, when you're walking down the street, you know, you, you you definitely have that sort of glow about you, yeah. uh, which is something that I'm I'm genuinely attracted to myself. So <laughs> it's, um, it's, that's that's really interesting. It is really interesting. It's funny because it sort of brings me back to. Um, a few years ago and it's it's very clearly written in the book but I had my first first orgasm quote-unquote late in life Um, Uh and so I think that up until that point that's Uh that was sort of my permanent state of being uh-huh. You know what I mean? Because it was just uh-huh. something, and, and I think it was very unconscious because I wasn't aware of, of why or how or, you know, it wasn't something that I had understood because it was sort of a quest with no ending. Um, uh-huh. and, um, and so I think that it's a very interesting sort of positive side to um, being, I guess, pre-orgasmic if we're going to put a label on it. But, um, but that, that energy and that sort of feeling is, is, especially as women, we don't really discuss it. Um, it's not, it's not a topic that I, even me have a habit of talking about with my friends. Um, and so it's, it's interesting to see how we don't acknowledge certain drives or certain sources of energy or, um, or in general, sort of your sexuality as a, a, a base for the, the rest of, of your life or like the uh-huh. rest of the aspects of your personality. And so that's really interesting to, to dig into. Yeah, I think yeah, it, it sort of reminds me of the um, Madonna Hall complex, um, which was you know, sort of popularized by Sigmund Freud yeah. uh, back in the days where he, he talks about the, um, well, he, he says something along the lines of, um, the inability to maintain sexual arousal for your partner, but yet at the same time we lost after you know people that we don't have. Yeah. Um, and I think there's something really interesting in that. I think if we unpack that a little, it's for me. Um, it seems to do with the the the, the unrealistic um, and uh, counterproductive pedestal that we as a society. Um, expect women to adhere to yeah. all types of social dogmas. Um, yeah. Religion plays a big part in it, you know. So, in terms of a woman being openly um, able to express herself sexually without the blockages, you know, yeah. she's you know, often considered a slut or of um, low moral standings. I you know, have we... no idea what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's ridiculous. Uh, the, 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 the thing that I find so counterproductive is that you know, if you take a typical guy, for example, yeah. he would want a, a woman who is able to tune into her sexuality and express that. Yeah. Uh, that's the reason why the porn industry is so, um, is so massive. Yeah. yeah. Which I think personally is a bastardization of true sexuality um, anyway um, for commercial gain. But in any case, that, that desire is clearly there. But we act counterproductively yeah. in terms of how we sort of stagnate um, people's sexuality in general. You can't say this, you can't do that, you know, because if that's the case, then, you know, you, you'll be looked down upon and people are going to frown at you. The whole sort of slut shaming thing, yeah. um, I think, doesn't help any of us, to be fair. No, and conversely, um, I think there's there's also the other side to it where I, I met a guy recently who was telling me 
when people aren't telling me weird things nowadays, um, like without any context. Um, and he was telling me that he was struggling to, um, I guess, outside of sort of a, a outside of like fet life or outside of any sort of prescribed safe place, he was struggling to find um, dominant women. Uh huh. And and. Um, I thought it, it, the way that he was expressing these feelings, I, I was I felt really bad for him because I could tell that that um, it, it it he was struggling with all of the social weight as well of having to be the dominant man, and like that that's the sort of flip side of it is is it's not you know it's not only a sometimes gendered issue it's just those roles those pigeonholes that we're put in regardless of which one you find yourself in there's always sort of a counterbalance to it where. Um, yeah, unfortunately for him, he was like, I just like want to enact this. I mean, maybe it's a lifestyle or maybe it's his fantasy. I don't know him that well. And I think he has the, the path yet to uncover. But, um, but it was interesting to see how much it seemed to weigh on him. And I was like, oh, like, I feel for you because it's sort of the same thing that I deal with with other, you know, social pressures that, that are so, yeah, like you said, counterproductive. Because it's not right. helping anybody, and we're just we're we're putting people on opposite sides of of um, pre preconceived sort of social constructions, like you know, good or bad, or um, like you said, slut or wife, and and those invented concepts that we sort of just run with, and we don't stop to question why isn't there more of a spectrum, and why can't we discuss things on a more um, gradient way it's not all like good uh -huh. or bad or black and white it's like well actually there's like things that are good and bad and things that aren't either good nor bad there's there's so much more to it and yeah. and, and I think that's a conversation that we're not used to having I, I, I totally agree the, 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 the example that always comes to mind is you know at, at, at some stage you know, we thought the earth was flat you know, we, yeah. that was a genuine belief <laughs> and some of the, the principles that we hold there today that we genuinely believe in you know in the years to come people are going to look back on us and laugh and say <laughs> do you know back in 2018 they actually believed that so and so and so yeah, yeah and it's going to be completely ridiculous and that to me just demonstrates the point or the danger of of you know adhering Sinking, to yeah. any one principle in such a bite yeah. sort of um, perspective it's, it's for me it's based on a certain level of arrogance mm -hmm. and I think if history has taught us anything you know, we're not as clever as we think we are <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. there's so much more <laughs> that we don't know yeah than, than we do know yeah. And do you find that that happens a lot? I think this is, um, do you find that people are often sort of putting you on either side of a spectrum when they ask you about, you know, your, whether your emotions can be genuine because you're in a sort of paid business uh, scheme? Uh -huh. like, does that, is that a conversation that happens often? I have that conversation all the time. Yeah, um, I thought so. And I, I usually respond by saying that um, I don't, feel that I have to necessarily um, distinguish one from the other um, I, I, I'm, I enjoy the grey areas of life yeah. you know? um, and so I, I'm able to express genuine emotion have a real connection with you um, but at the same time there is a business element to it um, I'm very comfortable with that and as as long as there's a clear understanding, um, for me, it works really well. Yeah. If, if I don't have a connection, um, take a client, for example, and the reason why I'm not with any um, escorting agencies is because typically they would, you know, just send you on a booking okay. and you'd just turn up and whoever is there is the person that you're meant to connect with and spend time with. Um, and if it was purely transactional, then I would crack on with it. But f for me, th that's not what I look for. Yeah. Um, if, if me and you aren't able to um, connect and sort of see eye to eye, um, then I'm not going to be able to give you what I would like to. Therefore, yeah. I, I would rather not. 
But this is the thing that I found also, like, it's, it's along the same lines that we're saying, the counterproductive assumption that because something is, quote-unquote, transactional in terms of, like, there's money exchanging hands, you cannot do both. And it's like, it, what? No. <laughs> like, that's, that's what you think, not you, but, like, society um, makes you think is that, you know, you have a job and that's for money. And you're not supposed to like it, and you're supposed to lie about it, or, or lie to people about what you're selling. And then you have your own life where you can have feelings, and that's the the appropriate, you know, side of like where you can be genuine. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, isn't this the recipe for disaster? Like, how are we not seeing this horrible, horrible conception sort of making us more and more unhappy and further and further away from like admitting to ourselves who we are and, and, and choosing to live according to what makes you tick. Mm-hmm. And I think of course. I'm sure that's something that you struggle with as well in the beginning of like explaining why you're, why you're starting your business and why you're making this decision is, is sort of fighting that, that social pressure. Well, yeah, what's really interesting, Christine, is that people are constantly trying to put us into boxes. You know, yes. In terms of them trying to understand the world around them and the, the motives of other people. But the problem with that is that the boxes that we try to put people in are inherently based on our own perspective, you know, which is just one perspective. Yeah, and um, in one time. <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, I think it's, it's definite. Well, it, it, it doesn't work for me uh, because if you try to put me in a box today, um, tomorrow you'll be a completely different box yeah. you know and what you thought was true today is probably not going to be true tomorrow um, because we're not like you said it's not black and white there is a beautiful grey area of life that if we are open minded enough to explore I think we'll discover a lot of pleasure yes. um, in those areas and it's funny how we don't as a society, acknowledge the benefit of putting pleasure at the forefront, of making pleasure the goal, whatever, whether it's with food or, or whatever, you know, we just have these um, constructs that it's like, well, you're supposed to control every bit. You're supposed to control every side of you. And it's like, why? <laughs> Where is this idea coming from? I'm not, you know, I understand the, the issue of control if you have like a, a problem controlling whichever appetite be it for food or for sex or for yeah. you know if it becomes unhealthy i understand but this uh-huh. idea that we're supposed to be very careful and and deliberate about everything i'm like isn't that taking away from sort of like the beautiful mess that life is <laughs> that you just sometimes uh-huh. should just embrace and and float along and um I thought about this when you were saying um, just what you said earlier. I think writing helps with understanding that. I don't know if you had the same experience, but I would write things and then read them six months later and be like, oh my God, that was definitely not that. <laughs> you know, yeah. be like, I was so yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It's interesting to see how, personally, I think if what I wrote a year ago is 100% applicable, um, to where I am now in terms of my own life, then that means nothing's changed. Yeah. <laughs> which which you know, I, I think as, as someone who believes in the idea of constant evolution yeah. um, in, in all areas of life, mentally, physically, spiritually, um, for me to be in the same place means that there's been no growth. Yeah. Um, so, you know, things are meant to change, you know, which is why the idea of having one partner for life is necessarily the gold standard yeah. doesn't make sense to me um, um we were talking about this yesterday with um i think i sent you the esther perel talk she was like oh you know in society yeah. you're you were meant to have one person for life now it's like one person at a time but it's still uh-huh. the same assumption even if the time frame changes it's still like yeah that one person is responsible for your happiness and it's like what <laughs> no like you can never be in charge of someone else's well-being exactly and i think the i think the idea that one person is 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 supposed to fulfill all your needs um is is a fallacy Mm -hmm. um and most of us um just or a lot just put up with it just sort of exist you know and just sort of make do 
when the reality is that if, if we had the choice, we would actually look for an alternative. Now, for example, I may have two partners. Um, I may receive a certain type of, or have a certain type of connection with one partner um, and a different connection with another partner. doesn't necessarily mean that I prefer one over the other. It's just that we are able to give each other different things yeah. based on you know, what is important to us and our, our character. You know, yeah. I think there's nothing wrong with that at all. No, and I think that there's there like the also the the assumption that it's a zero sum game is a fallacy too. Like because I'm giving <clears throat> love to you, that means I'll have less love to give to someone else. Or I mean, I'm using the term love broadly, but um, uh -huh. but it's like no, like you you're made to share. That's what we are. As you're, it's not I like it's the so. well is gonna dry up. Like that's where does that <laughs> come from? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. That would make us very sad human beings. It's like, well, now you're done. You 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 spent all the funds yeah. you had. To, like what? But, yeah, um... exactly. We've run out of credit. You know, it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing that I was that was I found interesting, and um, I wanted to sort of address is um, in the handbook you say that um, the application of desire is a choice, but not the desire itself. In the context uh -huh. that you think. Uh -huh. Um, being either a dominant or a submissive is not necessarily a choice. Um, mm -hmm. Can you unpack that for me a little? Absolutely. Um, I would caveat that by saying this is my own personal perspective. I'm sure there are lots of people in the community that would be for or against my own personal view. Um, but, you know, I think that if I take myself, for example, I'm, I'm naturally a dominant person. That's not a decision. It's not a um, mental um, um, thought process that, that I decided to implement. It's just the way my um, brain is, is wired. You know? um, now, I could choose to subdue that or embrace it. Yeah. That's the decision that I make. Yeah. But the desire which I believe desires come from our, our spirit. Mm -hmm. I, I don't believe desires are necessarily a mental thing. Um, mm -hmm. I believe mentally we are able to... Process. Form, to process and, and form a plan of action around those desires. But, you know, my desire to write, for example, you know, was based on a, a feeling or, or a need to express myself. Then my brain clicked in and said, yeah. oh, actually, how am I going to express myself? Yeah. And I said, okay, let me put a few words on paper, and then there you go, you know. And then I'm able to link it and say, actually, I enjoy this writing process, but, then, but where did the desire come from? So that, for me, is, is applicable to the whole dominant, submissive um, uh, dynamic. Yeah. I think you could teach someone to be dominant or submissive um, I would never do that myself personally mm -hmm. um, if I meet in my personal life a woman who um, because she wants to be with me and she knows that I have a um, soft spot for a submissive female um, she attempts to uh, adopt those character traits um, that, that is a recipe for disaster yeah. um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to um, um, put her in that position yeah. Um, I don't think there's any real genuine benefit to be gained from it. Yeah. Um, I think we need to embrace who we are naturally. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it takes time to figure that out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And um, and, and how does that? How do you see that in your um, in your clients? Like, do you see that sort of? Is that part of your? Um, mental development for yourself in sort of seeing the patterns and seeing the evolution and seeing the sort of um, p women coming to realize who they are and, and what is their actual deep desire, even though they had a sort of assumption coming to you in the first place? Uh -huh. Okay, so I'll give you a perfect example. Um, a client of mine, she is um, in her mid-40s. Um, very successful, um, runs her own business, um, high-powered in the corporate sector. Um, and so on a day-to-day -day basis, I mean, even in her personal life at home, she's the boss. Yeah. Now, when it comes to my interactions with her, she is like the perfect submissive. 
she is in terms of what I would want from a submissive female she's absolutely spot on she, she literally doesn't put a foot wrong um, and because of that I'm able to create a I guess um, development plan um, in terms of what is important to her so for her she wanted to be more confident she wanted to explore her sexuality more she wanted to be able to um, walk down the street and 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 feel you know more sexy more powerful um, and some practical things as well you know she wanted to change her style um, she wanted to explore um, makeup more. Um, she wanted to have more fun shopping. So all of these things were incorporated into a plan in order to nurture that side of her. Um, and through her submissive nature, um, I'm able to say to her, okay, babe, so this is what I want you to do for the next week. I want you to look into this. I want you to make sure you get that done. Um, and I want you to let me know how you feel about X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's how we're able to sort of create um, the, the kind of nurturing um, that she needs in order to get her to where she wants to be. Yeah. And that's all through consent because yeah. she's clearly intelligent enough and powerful enough to say, well, actually, no, this doesn't work for me. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really important. Yeah. Um, so just because she is submissive to me, that does not give me the right to um, dictate to her um, on, on all levels. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Um, if she's not free to express herself. And, and she'll do it in a certain way. You know, she, she's very, very good at being able to express herself without being um, combative or seeming um, defiant. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she, she, she definitely knows how to get what she wants. But we have a meeting of the minds because we both have a strong desire to please. Yeah. Mine is from a dominant perspective and hers is from a submissive perspective. We, we meet in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, we've, we've been able to grow a, a really um, a passionate um, and um, healthy relationship. Yeah. And that sort of inevitably leads me to the question of like, how do you maneuver your emotional response to clients like that, that you find are, you know, sort of a perfect fit on a certain level or that you have that, that, um, that mutual respect and, and, and passion towards, how do you handle your side? It's um, a mental discipline. Yeah. There are, yeah. And it's, it's, it's not easy. Um, it's, it's definitely something that takes a certain amount of um, time and um, thought and experience. Certain mistakes are made along the way. But essentially, there are certain buttons or certain areas that I will not go because I know where it will lead. Um, and, and so in, in walking the grey area, I need to be able to differentiate between what steps I should take, which ones I shouldn't, um, in terms of maintaining that balance of not going too far one way or the other. Yeah. Um, I'm still able to express a genuine emotion. I'm still able to em- embrace her. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I'm not trying to replace her husband. Yeah. You know? um, I serve a certain purpose within her life. Um, and within the parameters of that, we are free to express ourselves however we want to. Mm-hmm. It's so funny that you it's say... It's not easy. <laughs> no, yeah, I can, I can imagine. And, and I think, like you said, like mistakes are made along the way, but I think that's, that's how you learn what those triggers are for you, is by uh-huh. making those mistakes. There's no other way around it. I think we, we underplay the importance of making mistakes. And, and Absolutely. In yeah. general, in life. I think a lot of us are afraid um, to make mistakes, um, especially you know, when we think about our partners mm-hmm. and uh, how, if, if you think about you know, when we're intimate, yeah. a, a lot of things do not get said on either side yeah. for fear of hurting the other person's um, feelings or their ego. Yeah. You know, guys are, you know... Um, uh, 
usually you've heard the you know the term you know the the, the fragile ego yeah and a lot of the time it's, it's felt that if you say to a guy well actually I want you to do it like this or I really like that or that, that, that's not working that's, for me let's try it again yeah. um, actually that orgasm was really enjoyable but I would like it to be prolonged I want you to do it this way um, being able to have that open dialogue I think is so healthy um, and if you put your ego aside yeah. so if for example I'm, I'm with a client bearing in mind that you know this is paid time you yeah. know I'm, I'm, I'm paid to fulfill a certain role yeah. if if I have not um, provided the experience that I want to yeah. or is expected of me, um, I'm mature enough to be able to unpack that with my clients. So, okay, well, what is it that was missing? How could we improve upon that case of hitting the bullseye first time? It's a process of learning and understanding and being real. Well, um, I'm not going to get it right first time all the time. You know, I'm not um, a porn star. That's just not. <laughs> that's not what. That's not what I'm here for. And that's you know, I'm that. here for <clears throat> a, a genuine connection with, with real substance. Yeah, you know, and that's not what edits. getting it right looks like either. Being a porn star. <laughs> exactly. But. You know, um, and and so I, I I think we have the ideal um, because of what is pushed out there in the media, that this is how it's meant to be. Um, when the reality is, is that what we're looking at on screen and we're watching a lot of these um, orchestrated um, um, experiences in terms of porn and so on and so forth, um, it's, it's not real. It's, it's a theatrical um, expression of a certain type of sexuality and how it's expressed. Um, but the reality is that it is a learning process. Yeah, I think being free and being comfortable to say sit down with your partner, um, and it could be a really intimate thing. You know, you could literally be sitting down with your partner inside them, yeah, having a conversation about that, um, and just feeling each other, yeah, um, and, and being able to connect and being able to talk about, you know, well, how does this feel for you? Do, do you like that? Would you like me to, you know? And sometimes it's nonverbal. You know, you, yeah. you could just kind of sense it, you could just feel it. But you've got that connection there, which I believe takes time to build um, and is really important. It's often neglected. Yeah, and I think it goes back to sort of our very beginning of this conversation, to the what-if conversations. Um, uh-huh. Because I think that if we're still in a phase where you're trying to, um, where you have this false idea that you have to try to be attractive or try to be... Um, the person that you think the other person wants you to be, which is like so many layers of assumptions. Um, you, you are stuck. I mean, this is still like I'm working on it, but it's still thoughts that come into my brain that I'm like, ooh, I'm going to sound intimidating if. Or I'm going to, you know, th- this sort of having to uh, maneuver the fragile ego um, or not. And it's funny how it doesn't happen with women. I don't have that reflex with women. I'm just not concerned at all with their, it's like a weird assumption. I don't know where it comes from, but I'm like, no, I, here I can, this is a free zone where I can say, and this is like a tricky area zone. And and I'm questioning my own assumptions when I look back at that where, because it doesn't make any sense. So, but it's still hard work. And I think we, it's easy to say we should do this. It's 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 a work in progress and it takes time. But the just the realization that you can have those conversations if you start them off, you know, from the beginning of the relationship, like we uh-huh. said at the beginning, it's so much easier. Yeah, absolutely. I think it it totally levels the playing field, mm-hmm. and I think you. I think we need to be prepared to accept the outcome of you know throwing the chips up in the air. And seeing where they land, you know, and if it works out, then that's fantastic. And if it doesn't, then being mature enough to accept the fact that well, actually, we're not that compatible. Yeah, and um, not, not attached to I the idea. If, if there if there is a scarcity mentality of well, you know, this is the one, you know, uh, which I don't believe exists because if that was the one and it didn't work out, then you're, you're pretty. Um, Pretty, pretty stuck. And, and this is what instance, Anita you know? said in um, last episode. She said, "What if you find the one and then they die on you? Like, what are you supposed to? That's it. You're done. Like, the, there was no yeah, exactly. She's like, this yeah. is such a 
non-productive way of thinking. Of course, yeah. I think we get caught up in the um, the Rum-pum. ideal. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But that's that's not the reality. No. The reality is that it's a case of us being able to um, to determine whether a person is going to fulfil our needs, and that may happen over time. So, for for, for example, something that I, I I experience a lot within BDSM, and I is is. I've sort of expanded it to other areas of my interactions, is the idea of reviewing um, yeah. further as, as things develop. Yeah. So typically, you know, six months in, you, you know, you're, you, you, you pretty much put your stake in the ground. This is how things are going to be and we're going to build on this. But I think a, an alternative way to look at it is, well, you know, a month in, how how are things? Yeah. yeah. Um, three months in, how are things? You know, six months in, that are, are you actually giving me what I want? Am I giving you what you want? Yeah. You know, um, and having the being open minded enough to understand and appreciate the fact that yes, we are trying to build something, but there's no guarantees that it's going to yeah. work. And over time, we're able to better understand that. Yeah. From day one, yeah. from the early stages, the honeymoon period, we're not in a position to make an informed decision. No. It's all based on emotion. And also we um, don't know that we're going to change in the same direction because we're two different individuals. Even though you're sharing and building something together, you're still living individual uh-huh. lives. And that those uh-huh. change you even in the slightest of ways. Um, and, and, and you can't know the future, so you can't know that it's going to go in the same direction. But if you keep checks and balances, that's the only way you can keep an eye out for that absolutely so absolutely it's about having the open dialogue and the honesty mm. to address that you know uh, a lot of the time we we approach them from a scarcity mentality yeah um of well you know if if i lose this one um, i'm yeah. going to have no one yeah well actually sometimes we need to have no one yeah. You know, sometimes we need to take that time to work on ourselves and and realize the power within mm-hmm. of being a, of being able to say, well, actually, um, I would rather have no one than just have someone. Just you know? to have someone, uh, yeah. Yeah, of yeah, course. I agree. And, uh, I and that 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 for me relates to the importance of the, I guess, um, relationships yeah. with substance. Yeah. You know rather than just trying to, you know, um, Not be win a prize. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 No, and I think it's, I think it's interesting that um, the more conversations of, like this I'm having, the more I realize they come from people with um, different life scripts. So <clears throat> whether it's Anita yesterday and her realization that she's polyamorous, whether it's, you know, Girl in the Net, who's a sex blogger, um, whether it's you through escorting or, or me through writing and having to face the fact that people have all kinds of opinions about every detail of my life. Um, I think that's the, the, the funny part is that we come from mistakes or, or like we come from having been like, oh shit, this is not what I want. Like the script that I'm giving is not what I want. Absolutely. So what do Absolutely. I want? And, and it's a shame that we don't have the what do I want without the what the fuck am I doing? And, and, and what yeah. do I want? I've, I've had, I've had uh, um, some, <laughs> some, some real experiences, uh, made some terrible mistakes. And one of the biggest lessons that I learned, um, and this would stay with me forever, is the ability to accept. Sometimes things don't go the way we feel they should go. Um, and what I realized is that people have the right to make decisions for their life that may or may not be in agreement with my own Um, and that's something that I have to accept Um, if I I struggle to accept it that's going to cause me to lash out emotionally um, and and to make mistakes whereas if I'm mature enough to say well actually you know what I I think what you done was wrong so you cheated on me for example Um, that wasn't part of our agreement (laughs) Um, that's your decision uh, and I accept the fact that it's your decision yeah. and if that's the choice that you made then fair enough now 
in the light of day, it's that's a very logical perspective yeah. to take. Yeah. <laughs> when emotions are, are are boiling, it's very different. Yeah. But me just being conscious of that means that I know if I'm feeding into that emotion, I know I'm already heading down the wrong path. Exactly. I know that I, I need to back up and say, well, actually, you know what? If that's the decision that you chose to make, am I prepared to accept it in terms of tolerate that within our relationship? If yes, then maybe we can move past it. If no, then fair enough. I, I accept the situation and we agree to part company. And, and it could be a yes and a no at the same time. This is like, again, stepping away from binaries. It could be like, all right, well, you've made that decision. And now if I can try and understand why you've made that decision and where it comes from, uh -huh. and if it has to do with me uh -huh. or not with me or with you or with that other person or whoever, that uh -huh. process of, of, of just investigation is already, you know, like you said, even if at the end of it, you're like, well, I can't stomach that. Um, yeah. That's fair, but you haven't made that decision out of ego or out of pride or out of, you know, any of those sort of non-productive feelings that are that need to be processed in order for uh -huh. you to sort of stand by your decisions in the future. Because I think that anytime you make something, a, a rash decision coming from sort of a, an intuition that wasn't intellectually processed, you then find yourself uh -huh. at some point going, why did I do that? <laughs> like, uh -huh. Uh -huh. How, yeah. do I, how do I move forward justifying that decision of mine following someone else's decision that impacted me? Absolutely, which is why it's so important just to you know, touch on the point you made, it's, it's so important to, um, to discuss these things, mm -hmm. you know, um, and th these, these can be quite painful conversations, yeah. um, but it's, it's, it's almost like asking for feedback. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like when you've applied for a job and you've been rejected, instead of just walking away, you say, well, actually, you know what, why is it that, you know, I, I didn't get the job? Yeah. You know, what is it that I could do to improve and work on myself? Um, yeah. They say everyone is a teacher. Yeah. Everyone's got a lesson for you. Yeah. Um, I believe there is a lot of truth in that. I agree too. Well, we're going to wrap up now because we've gone 10 minutes over the usual scheduled time, but this was such a nice conversation. Okay. Um, Likewise. Yeah, it's, it's been really fun talking to you. Yeah. I, I've enjoyed it. Me too. So if any of you have any questions or comments, um, get to me on Twitter at ChristineWild underscore or um, anywhere else you might want to get in touch um, and um, speak to you guys soon about any other topic. <laughs> Bye.